You've all gone the extra mile to revise this. We're in great shape for the client meeting. Thank you all. You're here for others. The urgent care is closed. Should we go to the ER? You know what? I know what to do. We're here for you. That is a little bit higher than normal, but medically, it's not a fever. Oh good, that's a relief. Have a great day, sweetheart. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> the client loved it. We're approved to move forward. Great job, everyone. Live fearless, North Carolina. It's the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Tuesday, October 22nd. I'm Donald Ware. It's Takeaway Tuesday. And uh, still a big story, the Florida A&M and North Carolina A&T football game, one in which the Rattlers defeated the Aggies 34-31 in overtime. As a matter of fact, Florida A&M number one in both the box-to-row coaches and media polls, both polls split. And this is the first time that Florida A&M is number one, and I think deservedly so. I think if you, even though Florida A&M was number four in the polls, I, I, you know, I like the way that Bethune-Cookman is playing. Alcorn State is solid. But when you look at what Florida A&M has been able to accomplish, started this season off with the loss to UCF and then has now won six straight games, including the victory over North Carolina A&T. I think it is justified in both polls that Florida A&M jumps from number four to number one. I mean, it's not like, you know, I mean, Alcorn State has played solid, but it's not like um, the Braves has, have necessarily wowed you, and that's not a knock on the Braves. It's just the fact that Florida A&M is the hottest team in HBCU football, six straight wins, including over number one. And that's not to discredit uh, Bethune-Cookman at all because Bethune-Cookman is very, very good as a matter of fact right now. But I think Florida A&M definitely deserved to be number one. Talked a lot yesterday um, about the, uh, the, the, the scuffle that happened at halftime and during the pregame. Um, I, I just want to touch on that. Like, I don't want to beat a dead horse. I'm doing this podcast on Monday evening. So, I mean, come really come Tuesday, even though I'm doing it for Tuesday, I think come Tuesday we may see some more fallout from this. We may see some um, sanctions handed down by the MEAC. I don't know that for a fact, but I think when you have this kind of situation uh, that happened where, uh, you know, you had a, a coach that was thrown out of the football game, you had – um, a couple of players that were thrown out. And matter of fact, let me um, let me address that right now. As Florida A and M had uh, three uh, had three players and a coach that were disqualified um, from the game: Timothy Williams, Andrew Davis, and Jalen Brayboy, and then defensive coordinator Ralph Street for the Aggies: Elijah Bell, Mac McCain, and then Stephen Davis Jr as well all were disqualified and uh you know this is this is the thing when i look at i mean if you look if you're the aggies and you're looking at elijah bell and mac mccain getting disqualified that is absolutely huge for a and t i think more so um, with respect to timothy williams being disqualified but this is actually what happened so i'm, I'm trying to figure out how mac mccain 
and Elijah Bell get disqualified from the game. I mean, my initial thought, um, and, and, and Timothy Williams too for Florida A&M, I mean, my initial thought would have been, okay, these guys already had gotten during the course of the game unsportsmanlike penalties. If you get two unsportsmanlike penalty, conduct penalties, you're kicked out of the football game. So I'm trying to figure out, I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe the officials are looking for them, these three players specifically, because they had already gotten unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. That's actually not what happened. What happened is because the teams, both teams got, uh, uh, they, they, both of the teams got misconduct penalties at halftime as teams. Therefore, it counts as the second person or the second unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for Timothy Williams, for Elijah Bell, and for Mac McCain. So those guys are automatically disqualified. It doesn't matter if the, if if all of the scuffles that happened happened at halftime, and those guys ran the opposite way away from it, okay, they still would have gotten disqualified. I think it is an absolutely stupid rule. I'm going to, yeah, I I said stupid. It's a stupid rule to, in fact, penalize a student athlete. It's an NCAA rule from my understanding, okay, and I checked with the conference office on this. It's an absolutely stupid rule uh, for a player or players to already have a personal conduct penalty I mean and and they shouldn't have I mean it was it was it wasn't very smart on their part to in fact get those personal conduct penalties and as a matter of fact Sam Washington said as much with respect to Mac McCain he recovered a a fumble and went over and started jawing at the Florida A&M sideline and he said as much that that was a dumb penalty by Mac McCain he said as much uh, in the press conference on Monday. So, but in that same vein, for a team to be assessed a penalty, okay, a personal conduct penalty as a team, meaning both the Aggies and, or Florida A&M and, uh, and, and North Carolina A&T, and then for those student athletes to be disqualified and they had nothing necessarily to do with what happened at halftime makes no sense. That rule has to change. That's a rule that, in fact, has to change. Um, you know, you, you also have a situation, and I think what exacerbated this, and, you know, I've read a couple of reports. I've read uh, where A&T players um, uh, were jawjacking before the game um, on social media, calling uh, Florida A&M's victory uh, in Greensboro last year a fluke. And so, I mean, that that's no reason to really uh, to really get to 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 uh, pushing and shoving. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like a melee, you know, it was pushing and shoving and so forth. And, you know, it was a couple of times that it happened. It's, as I mentioned to you yesterday, it seemed like a couple of times both teams were going back to respective locker rooms. Something was said and then ultimately um, uh, it, it, it spilled over and, and continued and it festered. Um, I think that the way that the field is set up, and I think I did mention this um, on the HBCU Football Daily podcast, that you know that that configuration at Bragg Stadium has got to be different. In other words, A and T has to cross over Florida A and M to get to the respective uh, locker room, 
or has to go by, in essence, go by Florida A&M. So if they're on the far sideline, as I think I was telling you yesterday, they are on the far sideline, meaning um, the Aggies, and they have to go towards the locker room on the right. So if I'm looking, it's on the right side. The field house is on the right side. They have to, in essence, um, go over towards the Florida A&M locker room. And that's just not a good configuration uh, at all. So number of different things. Um, I think at the end of the day, Florida A&M played outstanding football. Um, at the end of the day, Ryan Stanley was very good, uh, was virtually unstoppable. At the end of the day, Xavier Smith, of Florida A&M, the wide receiver, was virtually unstoppable. I think A&T got hit in the mouth early. They, uh, the Aggies were able to respond. As a matter of fact, Fam, you went up first. A&T came. Fam, you went up quickly. A&T put together a 16 drive, uh, for 16 play, 72 yard drive that took almost nine minutes. Florida A&M came right back. A&T put together another long drive. Florida A&M ultimately scored again. Then the defenses began to sort of settle in. A&T was able to get a field goal and pull to within uh, 21 to 17. And then uh, in, you know we had some good football in the second half. Um, and it looked like on that last drive, A&T was driving, uh, looked like, you know, and they had a, a backup quarterback in uh, as well in Jalen Fowler. And, you know, he he was doing enough to move A&T down the field. Now, A&T will tell you that uh, on that last, there was uh, the, the, the play in which um, the touchdown that Florida A&M got to win, to win the football game, the catch um, by Williams. Um, ultimately, and apparently there was a flag that was thrown on the opposite side of the field, so away from the play, and that should have been offensive pass interference. Uh, the officials picked the flag up. You know, again, I always, and I, I say this all the time, I mean, you, you, you know, if you throw the flag, make a call, you know, ultimately. Um, and, and, of course, A&T didn't like that. But I think at the end of the day, you know, Florida A&M, was the better football team, um, showed it, came out with more fight, played like they had um, more more of, of nothing to lose, if you will. And I think Willie, uh, uh, Willie um, uh, uh, Simmons has a good program at Florida A&M, a very, very, very uh, good program at Florida A&M. has got a lot of really good players uh, and is running a good program there. Um, at Florida A&M. So, um, you know, a, a good football game. Uh, unfortunately, that was marred by some unfortunate incidents and, of course, uh, semi-nationally televised on ESPN3. Uh, that's more of an app than it is like, you know, a channel you can turn to, but still it's something, you know, that you can watch. And, unfortunately, I think some of the events that happened sort of marred um, that football game. If there's any more fallout from this, and both coaches took responsibility. Again, as I said, I think if you're A&T, and I get it, jaw jacking and all of that, A&T, you know, a little salty because Florida A&M won last year in what A&T may call a fluke. You know, uh, uh, Florida A&M, um, you know, maybe a little bit salty because, and maybe A&T throws it in their face. Well, hey, you know, you can't play for the Celebration Bowl, unfortunately. You know, so you get all of that. Um, both coaches took responsibility. Um, as a matter of fact, Sam Washington said 
I've got to be better than that. You know, in other words, it was something I think he said, the defensive coordinator for Florida A&M, Ralph Street said, um, some, he, he, he didn't want to get into exactly what it is that he said. And I think, um, you know, some, it, it, ultimately what was said was heard by the officials because ultimately Ralph Street was disqualified from the football game. But I think what Sam Washington or what Sam Washington did say was he turned around to ask Street exactly what he said. And he said, meaning Sam Washington, he has to be better than that because if he's not better than that, then his players are going to react in such a manner as well. Um, I think also Willie Simmons thought it was, you know, he said, hey, we, we got to take responsibility for this. You know, it's something that we don't preach. It's an unfortunate thing, and we have to be better than that. So I think both teams took responsibility um, from where I sit. If you're the defending Black College and MEAC national, uh, the Black College national champs and the MEAC champs, if you're A&T, you got to be above that. I mean, you, you, you're the champions, and you're not playing and representing yourselves like champions. Um, so anyway, I mean, I, that's all I'm going to say about that unless something else comes up. Uh, with respect to that, if we get something that comes from the MEAC office more uh, with respect to the fallout uh, from that football game. Uh, ultimately, the other game I really wanted to um, take a look at is uh, Bowie State defeating Virginia State 24-14. to um, It was homecoming at Virginia State. That's a big-time win by Bowie State, who is now number five in the Box to Row media poll, continues to climb Big-time win. And what I've been telling you the last couple of weeks is Bowie State is getting it done defensively. They get timely offense because they're not putting up juggernaut numbers from an offensive perspective, not at all. But they're getting uh, they're getting timely scores because Virginia State went up 7-0, then Bowie State answered. Bowie State goes up 14-7. Bowie State then goes up 17-7. Uh, then what happens is that Bowie State defense takes over. And that Bowie State defense... Um, it's absolutely legitimate. And, uh, you know, it's the defense that um, that really was able to get it done uh, for for Bowie State and has been getting it done because Bowie State's not putting up, uh, you know, the great numbers, as I mentioned. But this Bowie State team is undefeated, is getting it done. Joshua Pryor and, and those guys on defense um, really playing some outstanding football. And as mentioned, you're looking at, Bowie State at uh, number five in the box to row media poll as the Bulldogs continue to climb. As a matter of fact, let's take a look at the box to row uh, coaches and media polls. As a matter of fact, new number one, as mentioned, Florida A&M number one and deservedly so in the coaches poll received nine first place votes, votes out distanced Bethune-Cookman by nine points because Bethune-Cookman also received six, uh, or excuse me, nine first-place votes. Bethune-Cookman finishing number two. Alcorn State and North Carolina A&T each received a first-place vote uh, and finished third and four, respectively. Southern remained at number five. As a matter of fact, six through ten, the same as last week, South Carolina State, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Alabama State, Prairie View A&M, and Alabama A&M. In the media poll, Florida A&M received six first-place votes, three less than what Alcorn State received. Um, but again, outdistanced Alcorn State 
by 12 points. Uh, it was Bethune-Cookman at number three, received two place votes. Uh, North Carolina A&T fell to number four. Bowie State, as mentioned, number five. Six through ten looked like this. South Carolina State is really Bowie State and South Carolina State flip-flop places from last week. So, again, six through ten, South Carolina State, Southern Alabama, uh, I mean, um, excuse me, Arkansas, Palm Bluff. And then, really, you had a tie for number nine between Prairie View A&M and Virginia Union. Lastly, on this Takeaway Tuesday, big-time win for the Tennessee State Tigers, 26-24 to 24 over nationally ranked Austin P. It was one of those football games you looked up, and Tennessee State was down 17-3. to 3. Even though it was in the first half and you're like, uh-oh, you know, Tennessee State has really, really struggled this year, but the Tigers able to come back fighting this football game, realizing that it's not a sprint it's a marathon getting a couple of timely field goals, a couple of timely touchdowns. Uh, ultimately, Stephen Newbold's eight-yard touchdown reception uh, proved to be the game winner. That happened with about eight minutes remaining in the ball game. And again, a big-time victory, like big time. For Tennessee State's a program that it really is really, really uh, been struggling, but ultimately wins this football game Rosendahl, as the quarterback, completed 27 to 39 passes, 220 yards, had two touchdowns in the ball game. Uh, and w- when you look at Tennessee State, didn't get it done in terms of rushing. But Chris Rowland, you know, he was tied for number one as my top five player at the midway point. 12 receptions in the ball game, 113 yards. He continues to do extremely well. So. Uh, Got to give Tennessee State a lot of credit. I, I, it may be a little bit late now in the OV season to make a run at the OVC title, but Austin P is a nationally ranked program, and I think if you can string together a couple of wins if you're Tennessee State, you can sort of, in, in, in some respects, salvage the season. So big win by the Tigers. So that's a look at the, uh, at the HBCU Football Daily Podcast and – at the Box to Row uh, coaches and media polls. Again, on tomorrow, we begin to shift towards week nine of HBCU football. And again, I'll have a chance to talk to you about some of the things that I heard on the MEAC uh, coaches call, which takes place every Tuesday. And then also if there's any more fallout from the Florida A&M and North Carolina A&T football game. Tell a friend about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Don't keep it a secret. Download or listen to the podcast exclusively at BoxToRow.com. Talk with you on Wednesday.